Hello, Oiler fans. Welcome to the debut of the Oil Rig Pod Cold Open. We have a great pod lined up for you today. Sean makes me eat some crow about dry sidled and talk about the epic road trip that just wrapped up and what it means for playoff implications. So you're saying there's a chance. Also, we talked about Sakara, Nurse, and more. Oilers are undefeated in March. Playoff hopes are alive. It's Tuesday, March 5th, and here's some Royal Tusk to kick us off. Watch it go. See, that's the difference between us. You think we're fighting, and I think we're finally talking. Welcome once again to the Oilers Rig Radio. I am joined, as always, by Jason. Jason, how's it going? Good. All right. So before I get to our three topics, um, I think I think there's something we need to talk about, and I, and I and I think you need to to spend some time in the shame circle. So, would you like to reevaluate your comments on Leon Drysdale from earlier this season? Yes, I am. Uh, I am a converted man. Um, his play has been incredible of late and definitely a big part of the Oilers' current success. And I'm going to eat some crow on this. Now He's definitely answered the bell. He's in the top 10 of NHL scoring. Can't really ask much more for the guy. So, so can, you, can you remind listeners uh, of what you, uh, your, your main criticisms and why you, you didn't like him? Well, I thought one of the biggest things was I wasn't 100% sure that he could carry his own line. He's proven he can do that. Um, I thought for the amount of contract money that he wasn't going to toe the line, and he's doing that. So, yeah, Dreisaitl has pretty much categorically proven me wrong about him. So I will take my shots for that. I think I'm going to get a, uh, uh, a soundbite of a, of a crow. And I'm and yeah. I'm gonna edit it in right about here. Yeah, <laughs> I know I I'd, I deserve it. <laughs> but it must taste pretty good, right? Oh, delicious! From the get go, I want dry. I wanted dry sale to be successful. He had some he had some points in the in the season where I wasn't thinking that he was going to pull it off. And he's proving me and a lot of critics wrong because he's been able to do it. When Connor McDavid was out, he was a driving force. When he's in, they're a dynamic duel. Can't ask for much more from from the guy. So that's that's the best thing. I'm so glad to be proven wrong. That's the best part about when you're cheering for a hockey team at the end of the day. It's I wanted to be wrong about Dreisaitl. And I am. So there we go. We got a three-game winning streak. Let's get after So that brings us up to the topics you wanted to hit on today. So first up, you wanted to talk about the three-game winning streak. Uh, second up, you wanted to talk about Andre Sakara. And lastly, we were going to touch on Darnell Nurse. So I guess the, the last two points kind of bleed together because we're talking about the defense. But uh, why don't you start with the three-game winning streak and, and what you've seen? So I'm going to go one game back, of course, and we look at the Toronto game. So... When we saw the Toronto game, it was, uh, I think what hopefully happened with that is that clearly there was a wake-up call because it was a totally different team that, that came out for the Senators game. 
Um, we got trounced in Toronto. That was not a good game. We started good. But I liked how everyone said, you know, this is a blip on the radar. And and at the time, I was like rolling my eyes going, oh, boy, here we go. And they were actually able to finally turn around. This is the first three-game winning streak since December, early December. So this was um, some of the pundits and everything were saying, like, this Buffalo game was an absolute. They had to win it. They had to win it to stay in the hunt. We're six points out. It's a potential possibility for us to get in the playoffs and one of the biggest things you know what we talked about at the beginning of the year is that we wanted to be able to watch meaningful games in march so here we are well actually we have meaningful games now in march there's, there's <laughs> something i wanted to mention you last episode i forgot to but you just mentioned the uh things we talked about at the beginning of the season um now i here we are and the oilers still technically are in playoff contention right i i, I didn't see that happening even though, I mean, it's slim. We all know it's slim, but it, it's still happening. And uh, Chase, on I, had, I believe I had stated to you at one point, no way he scores 20 goals. And then I had to take that back about, about a month later when he got on that heater. But the way he's been scoring, there still isn't a chance. Like, there's still a chance he's, he doesn't hit 20. So I just want to touch on those two. Those are some things that we had talked about early on. And it's amazing to me how, as the season progresses, things that you think are for sure, like Chase on scoring 20 goals, which he may still. I mean, I'm not saying he can't. but um, And where the others would be in, in terms of playoff standings. I mean, even even two weeks ago, we were ready to, to say they're completely dead. I mean, they're close, but they're not quite, right? Well, but to be clear, we never said from the beginning, Chase Hahn didn't even come up in our initial opening season opening podcast. Very true. He wasn't even a, a blip on the radar. No, we both assumed. You know, we were we talking, we were talking Yam- about Ratty. We were Yamamoto talking about. Yamamoto and uh, Pugliarvi. You were assuming Yamamoto. Just, Could be. Just because you got me on the dry side. You were assuming Yamamoto. <laughs> yeah, but one guy's a prospect that we, we haven't really seen play much. Another guy's a, a guy that we've been watching for a number of years now. I know, I know. I'm just saying. I uh, I liked how you tried I, to reel that back in. Yama- <laughs> Good. I'm glad you liked it. Um, no, it's um, like I said, the season started with a lot of different. You know, I did. We did muse about the possibility of Koskinen being the starting goaltender. So True. they did some little. So since Talbot's been moved out of town, he's running a 93% save percentage so that's pretty good <laughs> we'll take that so he's definitely playing with confidence and man we're gonna need it because he's where he's gonna play the bulk of these games yeah i wonder if i wonder if that stolars actually even gets to that 10 game threshold where they, where they retain his rfa rights uh i if if koskinen keeps winning he's not coming out yeah right well, the whole reason they moved Cam out was for salary, really. Well, it was to make the room for Sakara. Reggie coming yeah. Back. yeah. Um, and before we get on to the defense, you had mentioned, and before we started recording, you'd mentioned the schedule coming up. And it is, you know, somebody said. It's a winnable schedule. Well, you know, somebody, I think somebody said it on the radio the other day. This is not original to me. So if you're hearing it here for a second time. I'm not plagiarizing. I just don't know who I should be crediting. 
but it's kind of like a mafia movie, right? Like I, I keep trying to get out and they keep pulling me back in and with every win, right? You're, you're compelled to wonder like, could they go on one of those runs? And if you look at the, the games that they have coming up against the competition, is it likely they go, you know, 12 and four? No, but I mean, at, at schedule wise, this would be the point in the season where they could go on a run, right? Well, I'm, I think that it's smarter to look at it. I like how that they're they're kind of approaching it. Yes, one game at a time. But like, let's look at this homestand. So it's four games. You got Vancouver, you got Toronto, you got the Rangers and the Devils. I think we need to win three or four of those. Well, I think that you know, you want well, ultimately if you're Ken Hitchcock, you want to win them all at this point. Well, of course they want to win every game, but they have to win three of those. Yeah. I'm sure. Yep. So possibly Leafs is a hiccup or Van or Vancouver, but they got to run the table on that on that homestand. And we have had a hard time doing that this year. I'm almost guilty to say I have to look at the stats here, but we've almost played better on the road <laughs> as of late. So you know, it's been a crazy. We're it's see- a crazy year right now, though. I mean. Oh, it's been so up and down. And this, he, this I know they, I they, read. They, this I know I read. I think it was on Twitter. And again, I can't remember the Twitter. I wish I should have all this up in front of me, but I don't. But it was a Twitter user that it, um, it was featured in one of the blog posts I read today, either on the Call to Hockey or Oilers Nation, probably Oilers Nation. When the when when this one particular uh, tweet that they quoted was saying, "Well, you've got two two centers in the top ten in scoring. You got Nuge having a career year." You got Darnell Nurse on pace for forty points. Like what? Like how can they not be in the hunt for a playoff spot? Kind of was the the, the gist of it. And it's it's a it's a, it is a very strange season that way. Oh, and we talked about that I think yesterday when we were doing a little bit of our pre meetings. Is that, um, you know, the fact that we got two 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 scorers in the top ten in NHL for the NHL, and all the things that you just mentioned mentioned it's it's incredible that we're fighting and that's how like that's why how diverse the league is how how important depth scoring is and we're finally receiving that we're seeing guys like cassian step step up we're going to talk a little bit about nurse um curry out of nowhere and it, guys playing excellent it, and gagne gagne like i was just gonna say sam gagne, if, don't... if i told you at the beginning of the year that sam, sam gagne was gonna be playing for the oilers and almost a point a game I you would have you would have said I'm crazy, I would have said I was crazy, and here we are. So it's it's and it, this is all a testament to a complete roller coaster season. But you know, I the, if if Edmonton shows up and plays how they played the last few games, then that's hockey I want to watch and the stuff that I think we can be positive about. You know, they weren't you know not only are they winning but we're not beating ourselves. So. Um. That's the hope. So now you wanted to up next. You wanted to talk about the return of Reggie, and yeah. So why don't you why don't you elaborate on that a little? Well, it was interesting. I saw a stat on uh, I think it was on Twitter or something. I think a few people from Sportsnet were talking about it. The fact that the Oilers are three one one since he's come back. So. 
and I kind of remember this from last year is that we we it was Sakara was out for a lot of the time, but when he was back in, we were having significantly more success. So it's a wonder if it's a you know what you can wonder like what if like what if we had Sakara for the whole season, what would that record look like? So it was something it was an interesting stat that kind of stuck out, which and it makes sense too, like a veteran defenseman, what maybe what the intangibles that he also brings in the room. There's several different ways. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? My initial thought was like, you know, it's too bad they didn't have him for the last season and a half, right? Because who knows? And the way that the way hockey's changed is you need to have those puck-moving guys, you know, making that first pass out of the zone. I don't think that was any different way back when, but it just wasn't the focus wasn't on it, right? So... Clefbaum doesn't get hurt for an extended period of time. Sakara's back. And Nurse is playing at the form he's playing at right now. You wonder, yeah, what if? But then you then then I had the thought, okay, so all those guys are there. They're in a playoff position. Peter Shirelli's still the general manager. And is it, would yep. that been a been, been a good thing? Because I mean, as I've been thinking about the season, and as I was getting ready to think about what we were going to talk about in this episode, and like I, I meant, mentioned in the opening, where we what we thought, and it's this, it's this way every year, right? Because I mean, the how many pundits not this season, but you know, last season had the Oilers contending for the cup, or at least in the conversation that like being a high higher seeded team going to the playoffs. Nobody foresaw them going not making the playoffs at the beginning of last season, right? This season, everybody picked them to finish out of the playoffs, us included. And here we are in March, and mathematically, there's still, I mean, there's still a, you're saying there's a chance, right? Um, you know, you look, then you look at, well, what if Reggie wasn't hurt? What if Cliff wasn't hurt? And you'll go on down the line of, of, of those, you know, what ifs. Well, then we still have Shirelli as the general manager, and I, I don't know. At this point, I don't know which I'd prefer. Well, here's let's look at it the other way, though. Do you believe that the way that the Oilers are playing now, this last three games, we're just going to take a snapshot of the last three games. That's all we're gonna. That's all I want you to look at. Mm-hmm. It's like first first look on this team, first time you've ever seen the Edmonton Oilers play, and all you've seen is the last three games. Do you not think that they, with everybody healthy and in the lineup they currently have, that they, if they got into the playoffs, they might have a chance? Sure, but I mean a three, and 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 the stats guys will tell you a three game sample is too small because, you know, look at something as ridiculous as the as as the the um, staged battles between the Harlem Globetrotters Trotters and the Washington Generals. The Washington Gen- Generals have won at least a one or two games against the Globetrotters. Now, granted, that's in thousands of games. But but if you based it on the two games you saw the Generals beat the Globetrotters, right? No, no, but like I said, it's more of an example for, for a sake of argument, right? Is to understand that like now, the way that I, that I see this is that, you know, if we can get on a good run here and everyone stays healthy, we look far more like a playoff team now than we did a month ago. Can we agree to that? Sure, you can. I can agree. I mean, but at the end of the day, my the point wasn't how they're playing now. I mean, if they if they make a run, an honest like run, where we're talking about the Oilers still making the playoffs with a couple weeks to go in the season, 
you've got my 25 bucks next month Sportsnet now, right? That that's a separate thing. But what I'm saying is what I you know, if those guys had been had been healthy and the Oilers were sitting currently in a playoff position, Peter Shirelli would still be running the team and I don't know which I would prefer. An Oilers with no Shirelli moving forward or an Oiler in Oiler, the Oilers team in playoff position. And the reason why is even though if the Oilers make a run here, you know, a pretty it'd be a pretty historic run to make the to make the postseason. The problems still remain, and they're big problems. Yeah, well, I wouldn't call it historic. It's, they have to get, you know, they need to make up ground. On they got 16 games left, and they're six points out. No, but I, it would be. I mean, it would be historic in the sense of, you know, I I heard on the radio I was listening to um, Oilers Now over lunch, and one of the betting sites had the Oilers at 5%, a 5% chance to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, to overcome those... It was even less, I think, the week before. So To overcome those kinds of odds is pretty historic, especially considering where this team has been this season and all, and all the circus that's gone around, on and around it. Um, that said, I mean, I hope they do because it'll be a lot of fun because I'd much rather talk about whether the, whether the team gets in than if they're going to get Jack Hughes. <laughs> I've done the, yeah, I've well, done the, I, you know, I did 2009 yeah. with Taylor Hall and, you know, go on down the line. I'd rather talk about a team that just missed the playoffs. I, you know what? If they just missed the playoffs this year, then at least like what I would like to see is for them to make a good, a good showing of this March, make a good showing of these games, like win as, win as many as they can. And, but the biggest thing is show up every game. Like the biggest thing in Toronto is they showed up for a period. Yeah, but the- they showed up for one period and then and then that was it, right? If they go back to old Oiler form, then it's going to be a problem. But I, you know, I think that you know the the point I was saying is that this is a different team when you have when you inject those veteran guys back in. Absolutely. You know, with with Clefbaum back in and Sakara, you're starting to see it's not about the points; it's the intangibles that they bring. Of just that steady hand in the, in the back end is in what comes with that is Koskinen's play elevates and there's a lot of things with that. So, um, well, and, that, and that's what we're looking at a different team. Like I'm, I'm, we're looking at a bit of a different team. I'm going to look at them differently going into March. Now it's up to them to keep either have that perspective. You know, if they could, if they could take that to the locker room and say, look, we're a different team now. Let's forget about everything that's happened this year and let's go after this and play the way that we're capable of playing. You have the best player in the world on your team. And you have a second guy that is in the top eight in the NHL scoring. And we're getting all this other play from everybody else. There's no reason we can't have a run here. But it's up to them. And they have to and they and they know that, but it's it's up to them. Well, and another guy that on the back end that I, you know, this was my contribution to the the three points that we were going to talk about, and I still don't think he gets enough credits from a certain fig- segment of fans, and even some of the pundits in the media. I mean, Darnell Nurse, sixty six games played, eight goals, twenty six assists, thirty four points. You know, if he can take a step forward. And be somebody who can challenge to be for top pair minutes. I mean, if he gets 40 points this year and another six points in what, 14, 15 games they got left, 16 games they got left. Um, 
that's pretty impressive. Like, I mean, who was the last? Do you know who the last forty? I don't know the answer to this question, by the way. But who was our last forty-point defenseman? I would take a guess. It'd probably be Sheldon Surrey. Let's see if I can find that out. I don't know how quickly. Let's see if I can be right about one thing today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can see if Surrey scored for forty points. Because I don't, I don't believe that Sakara. I think Sakara's been around the thirty-point mark. Um, Sheldon. If it wasn't Surrey, if it wasn't Surrey, then I know who it would be. Yeah, Sheldon Surrey, two thousand eight, oh nine, twenty-three goals, thirty assists, fifty-three points in eighty-one games. So he has scored over forty. So a defenseman between two thousand eight and nine to now that scored forty points, I. I mean, I could look it up, but I don't think I have to. I don't. I, I don't think. I don't believe there has been one. I don't think so. Someone's well, welcome to reach in and correct us, but I'm pretty sure it was Sheldon Sheldon Zuri. You know who the one previous to that would have been Chris Pronger. So, um, but yeah, I I've been all about nurse the entire year because I think that this is this is another he's made another step this year. He keeps on progressing, and because they did his development properly he was one of the defensemen that actually was developed and, and has been you know pushed the right direction and he's still trending up he's still you know he's still uh in that he, he still hasn't even hit that cuss i don't even think he's at 200 no games. he is 260 I, I, I have his hockey db db up in front of me uh okay, 263 games 263 and they games, always yeah. say that the 200 game mark is sort of the magic mark for defensemen that's when you got know what you have I mean, that's yeah. obviously like a rough estimate, so plus or minus. So, I mean, he's right in that little on the higher side at 263. But if he gets – say he finishes with 42 points this year, okay? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, he's got an outside shot and hitting double digits and goals. He only needs two more to get 10. So, if he said, say, he finishes at 42, I mean, if, if, he's, if he continues to progress, that means in – you know, we're two seasons out from a, a – a left-handed defenseman that's, you know, approaching the 50-point range. And did you see, yeah. I don't know if you saw it, but they, they showed it during it, uh, last night's game, that goal that Bouchard scored, scored in the OHL last week. Did you? No, I didn't see it. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find it. And if I can, I'll send you the YouTube link. He did like a, well, I'm not going to try and explain it. I'll see if I can find it. Uh he, Anyway, can you talk about? <laughs> I looked. I can't. Uh... Yeah. Well, the thing I'll talk about with Bouchard is that you know, but Oilers fans, everyone has to understand he's two years out. I'm sure he did like an amazing goal. He did great in the World Juniors, but he is two years out. If they're going to properly develop him as a defenseman. Oh sure, I'm not saying that he needs to be here tomorrow. I'm just saying it was like it was a pretty sweet. I think, again, like if it's smart, they're going to have him out again for the 10 games at the beginning of the year, but then he'd go and, and do a bit of AHL time. You know, like that's that's the proper progression. Because at the AHL level, he can play 20 minutes a night. And that's what they need to develop those defensemen, is that he should be a top-pairing defenseman with the Condors that year. I think he qualifies for the Condors next year. I don't think he'd go back to junior next year. No, I think he'll be 20, so I think he, he can play down. Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, would you, like, going back to the whole theme of, back to what we talked about earlier this season, did you see Darnell Nurse 
putting up 40 points this year. I do believe so. Yeah. I think I did have nurses saying like, I thought nurse was going to take another step this year. I have always thought that he was going to end up in the top two. I've loved there's everything about nurse's game. I like he's, he's, he's got a bit of a nasty streak to him. He plays well at the puck and man, that kid can skate. So, Oh, he's an RFA this summer. Oh yeah. RFA this summer. There's, and therein lies the Shirelli conundrum. So if he finishes this season with 40 points in that range, and he's making 3.2 right now, that's his cap hit right now. And Larson and Clefbaum are at four, I think 4.4 in there. Oh, you're lucky. He's, he's going to ask for 5 million. He's going to, it's going to be north of 5 million, I would think. Yeah, he's and we would be in risk of losing him to an offer sheet, I would almost bet. Yeah, but it would be enough though that I think he would get the three first round picks. Not that I would want to lose him, I'm just saying like if if they did, if somebody signed him to some ridiculous deal. And I I, I don't I can't see anyone, but I mean but they yeah, you're right cuz they are they are they are vulnerable right now cuz of their cap situation. Yeah, if a team wanted to, they could go after it and already have a totally developed defenseman. Cost them some picks, yeah, but I, I would think that he would definitely be in danger. We'd be definitely in danger of an offer sheet with him because I don't know how you're going to be able to pay him $5 million next year, and that's what he'll. that's the kind of money he'll be looking for. Yeah, that would suck to lose him. Now, switching gears, little non-Oilers, well, not still hockey-related, but not Oilers-related stuff. Quick little plug, Golden Bears won Canada West. They're going to the Nationals, so congratulations to them. Uh, second thing I want to mention was, what did you think of, uh, did you watch Aginla's retirement? Uh, I watched, caught, caught a bit of the highlights in between stuff I was doing. Now, I'm biased because I, I I lived in Kamloops when they were the Blazers were winning Memorial Cups with him and Don and Niedermeyer and the list goes on and on. Um, I always you know even though I'm an Oilers fan I love I've always loved him as a player, and the thing that I find fascinating is he's from St Albert, Messier's from St Albert, and there you've got two probably of the best that played that style between offense power and just meanness. Wouldn't you have loved it if uh, Iggy would have played here? I was, I honestly was pulling for, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I was, I was pulling for, for Iggy to finish his career in Edmonton. I thought that would have been really cool, but it never would have happened with all the cow, like, you know, the fact that he played in Calgary and things like that. It was a nice idea. It would have been great to have him here for a season. You know, and Oilers have always struggled to bring that kind of guy in. Like, you know, that we wanted to bring Yager in like years ago. And, you know, that kind of fell through. And it would it, it'd be nice to, to, to bring a guy like that to show, you know, show younger guys how to be a pro, you know. Someone like an Olympic gold medal winner. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of upside to that. You know, even though he wasn't as fast, you know, he slowed down over the years. But there again, he brings those intangibles. But, yeah, I totally – I thought it would have been great to see Iggy actually finish off in Edmonton. It would have been good. 
Well, see, and this is a great example. Of, this is a really good reason why I shouldn't be never let anywhere near the keys to a hockey team. Because if it were up to me going into this season, I would have called uh, Jagger and Aginla and said, hey, if you're willing to come here on a, on a chase-on type contract, come on in, right? If you still, if you don't want to retire, come on in. And it would have been dumb, but that's just the fan of me because it would have been great to see, just like you said, to see again, Len, I'm glad you mentioned Jagger, him too, in an Oilers jersey, even just for a season. Uh, would have been fun for sure. Well, you know, when Calgary tried to do that with Yager and then a little bit backfired on them on the second season there, but, you know, um, I, it would have been nicer a little bit earlier with the Ginla because mm-hmm. I still think he still had lots in his game two, three years ago. And it would have been great to kind of bring along some of these younger guys. And that's something I hope that the next GM in Edmonton does do is consider that, you know, having a little bit of the of the veteran presence, you know, I think we've seen with Gagne what he actually brings to that, which I never thought that, you know, you think about it when we first were watching Gagne, he was just a kid, but now, he, you know, he's a, he's a vet, you know, and kind of talking about what Hendricks brought to the team and, and guys like that. And we seem to really have missed that in the last couple of years. I'm glad you brought up Gagne. And I, and I think for me, he's one of the biggest reasons why I hope this team just goes on a 10 game run and really makes it, you know, really makes it, uh, makes it a, an epic finish to the season. Because when whenever I see since he's been back, Gagne interviewed, or his reactions to thing on things on the ice, he just he looks fired up. He looks like he's full of passion, and it, it'd be, and he's really like for me, he'd be really easy to get behind as a fan. And I imagine that, to your point, I mean that really pay probably pays off in the room and on the bench, and especially with some of the younger guys. Oh, he's motivated. He didn't get to play where he was in Vancouver. No, he's playing for the he Marlies. Didn't... Yeah, he was, he, got, he was getting kicked around the league and into the AHL and everything. And here's an opportunity to come back to Edmonton where he's had the most success he's ever had. And to get a chance to add another shot, he's got another year in his contract. And he could have a place here. So you're not going to get a more motivated guy. So, yeah. I'd, and, and I think that fans and everybody is cheering for him to, to work out. We need him. We need everybody hands on deck and you know since he's been brought on we've seen more secondary scoring and you I've, I've watched a lot of his play and just seeing some of the stuff that doesn't get scored and the chances and the passes that he's making and things like that he brings he brings a, a factor and you know if he can stay motivated like that through the rest of the year he's you know he's going to finish with some points and definitely uh, definitely some opportunity to you know be back in the NHL full-time into next year with the Oilers like there's a there's not. It's not that, that it couldn't be. It couldn't happen. So, well, it was, it's we could have the perfect storm. It could be the perfect storm here. There was a rumor. Like you look at the schedule too. Sorry, there was a rumor before um, Anaheim traded him that co- that the Oilers were in on Cogliano, and I, I again I really should start writing this down so I can uh, credit the right people. But it was either on the radio or on a comment board somewhere. Someone was joking about bringing all the, uh, you know, the, the first generation of the rebuild guys back. And yeah. so it's like somebody was wondering where Robert Nielsen is these days. Well, he played last season in the Swiss League for Zurich. Score uh, 21 games played, 7 goals, 19 assists, 26 points. It doesn't look like he's under contract anywhere for the 19, for this season, for the 18-19 season. So maybe he's a free agent. 
And I, and I, if he was a free agent, I wonder if uh, Keith Gretzky could call him up right now and sign. I don't even know what the rules are, but sign him for the rest of the year. I think after the trade deadline, you can't do any of that, essentially. So I don't think you're able to sign any free agents. But, you know, could he get a – why not a tryout contract next year? But see, I, again, this is, a, this is a wonderful reason why I shouldn't be let – Why we don't – you don't have the keys. No, don't give them to me. Yeah. Because the nostalgia and everything, but you want to talk you know, about but, pissed off Star Wars fans that are pissed off about the last movie because it wasn't fan servicey enough. That's what I would yeah. be in a GM chair. Every washed up piece of garbage that was a name. Not that I'm saying Robert Nielsen's washed up piece of garbage. I'm just, you know what I mean. Any guy that was somewhat nostalgic, I'd be signing him. Why not? Yeah. Well, I, I the thing with the Gagne Spooner trade, that's a hockey trade all day. What a great move! Yeah, what's Spoon? What's Spooner done? Let's look what up. See what old Spooner's done since he went to Vancouver. Okay, before I hit enter here and look up his stats, I obviously you don't know. So what do you think? Has he got uh, any goals? Oh, he's in the AHL. You think so? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ryan Spooner. Six games, three assists, no goals. Huh. Oh, it looks like he might have got sent down because there is a entry here for the Utica Comets, and I believe that's Vancouver's farm team. So it could be that he's been assigned. Yeah. Not surprised. Yikes. It's always amazing when guys, you know, go from like a 13-goal, 49-point season with Boston in 2015-16 to... At n not even a bubble, like a bubble player. And he's only 27. I think this is the uh, point in the podcast where I also remind people that Thomas Re Tobias Reader has still not scored a fucking goal. <laughs> well, I don't think we need, need, anybody needs to be reminded. I think it's everyone knows. Just in case anyone forgot. <laughs> positive. We're positive, now, Jason. We're now at 52, 52 games. Jason, we're supposed to be positive. I know. The others are on a pretty just... good run right now. Let's, you know, we had a really negative podcast last time out. Let's try and keep it on the up and up, above the belt, man. All right, but I'm, I'm just gonna. That's, that's it. I'm done after that. I just, just wanted to let everybody know in case they forgot. Well, that was a way to be positive, brother. Yeah, yeah. So, Jay, anything else you want to touch on before we, uh, we call her an episode? Um, yeah, you gave, give me, you gave me a bit of a hard time about Cassian at the beginning of the year. What do you feel about him now? Hey, I gave you a rough time on Drysidle, and, you know, I was wrong. Well, I wouldn't say I was, yeah, no, because I said, like, I mean, the, you can see the abilities there, I believe is what I said at the time. He just can't seem to put it together consistently, and I stand by that. He's scoring right now a little bit. He's, I shouldn't say scoring, but, he, you know, he's chipping in right now. And the problem with Cassian's always been consistency. And if he can keep this going for till the end of the season, I'll be a believer. Okay, so trivia. Yep. Who do you think has a higher shooting percentage? Hopkins or Cassian? Uh oh, I would think Cassian. By one percent. But it still counts. Just something to keep in mind. Like I said, I was uh, in that big, massive hit that he had the last game too. I just, I just love his game. I love what everything he brings to it. I'm glad that it's been coming around. I love that he's on the top line. He's up there helping Connor. I think that that's great. 
Well, I think with Cassie, and, you know, this is this was a guy who was drafted 13th overall, right? Um, decent scorer in junior. Wasn't a huge scorer. I mean, his last year, 70, 77 points in 56, 56 games with Windsor. Um, I think in an ideal world, back in 2013-14, with the Vancouver, he played 73 games. This, is, this should be the season that Cassian has plus or minus every year. 73 games, 14 goals, 15 assists, 29 points, 124 penalty minutes. If we could get that Cassian consistently or anywhere, anything anywhere close to that where he chips in 10 to 15 goals and, you know, plays a tough game, hey, I'm all in. But since he's been there, he has not you have to you have to give me that. He has not been consistent. Well, he's at 11 goals so far this season. Yep. So if he gets into a few more there, he's hitting your target. Well, right? I mean, he's even in, into it right now. What I'm saying is I'd have to, like, he has to, I mean, he's done it before. He's had 10 goals before. He's had 14 goals before. I mean, but the problem with him is, again, is consistency. And if he continues to play the way he is between now and the end of the year, hey, man, I'm in. Yep. Good. That's all I got. All right. Well, where do people find us, Jay? They find us at Oil Rig Pod on Facebook, on Twitter at Oil Rig Pod, and Oil Rig Pod at gmail.com. Send us an email if you can want to fact check us on something. We screwed something up. We do something better, do something worse. Let us know. Love to hear from you. Cool. Okay, Jay. That's this week's episode. Thanks for doing this, and we'll talk to you again soon.